Praise the Lord. Welcome in, everyone, to another Sower of Seeds podcast. I'm your host, Ted Johnson. And as always, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Uh, let's just uh, continue to remember all the uh, ones that are uh, affected by this COVID-19. Uh, remember all the ones that are um, given these uh, doses of the uh, the yeah, uh, the shots that they're giving people, <laughs> let's remember them. And uh, just remember each other and all of our churches. And God will just be with each and every one of them. Our kind and gracious, loving Heavenly Father, God, I thank you, Lord, for this day. And I thank you, God, for, for life and for health. I thank you for walking with us, being with us, dear God, and keeping us safe and, and leading God and directing us, Lord. And God, I just thank you, God, for being with each and every one, Lord, that is out there, dear God, given the uh, doses of the uh, COVID vaccine. Lord, just be with them and protect them, Lord, and and keep them safe, God, and, and be with all the first responders, dear God, and be with the young man, dear God, that is running the race for the fallen uh, first responders. Lord, just be with him. Bless him, dear God, and use him in a great and a mighty way in his work. And Lord, just just be with all of our churches, dear God. Lord, just, just bless them, dear God, and just help them, Lord, to hang in there and to, God, to come out on the other side of all this uh, stronger than what they were when they went into it. Now, God, I ask, Lord, that you would just take, touch my mind and my lips, dear God, that you would just give me the words to say, dear God, that I may help someone in some way. Lord, I love you, and I thank you, and I praise you for everything. Amen. Amen. We are in Joshua chapter 23. Um, we might possibly finish up this, finish up the book of uh, Joshua today. Um, Joshua is, is getting up in years. The Lord has uh, given everybody their inheritance, and... Uh, Joshua calls all the leaders together and all of Israel together, and and uh, he he uh, tells the children of Israel, you know, about uh, still about living for the Lord and doing His will, and and he goes and and then chapter twenty four he he goes through and he reviews uh, Israel's history uh, and exactly how that they got to the place that they are right now. But Joshua chapter twenty three. And it came to pass a long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for all Israel and for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. And then he's, he goes on and he's talking about uh, dividing the land uh, to all the tribes and everything. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it amazes me sometimes. I know God can work, and I know that uh, there is nothing impossible with Him. But it still yet, when 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 He does move, and when He does work, it it just amazes me. 
uh, just how easy and everything fits together. When we struggle so many times uh, with things and trying to get them to work out just the way that we think they ought to, and we, we, we put so much time and energy into it, and then uh, we finally give up, which we should have done in the first place. We finally give up, and we turn it over to the Lord, and uh, just like that, it, it's done. Everything just fits right into place, and it, it seems so simple. And a lot of times, it goes completely opposite of, of what that we think that it should be the way that it should go. It goes completely opposite. But the Lord told them, you know, um, um, in a little while we'd be going back to Abraham, or Abram, actually, we'd be going back to him. But he told him many years ago, you know, that uh, exactly what was going to happen. Uh, he didn't go into details of everything, of how that it exactly was going to happen. But, you know, there were, there are so many intricate parts that uh, came from that one time when the man of God came to Abram and told him about how that he was going to be the father of many nations. And the thing that got Abram at that time was is, uh, Sarai, his wife, was barren. She couldn't have any children. So now then, you know, all of a sudden this man of God comes to her and tells her that, uh, tells him that uh, he's going to be the the father of a multitude of uh, people as as much as uh, there's going to be as many as there is stars in heaven and his wife is barren she can't have children so you know I, I know I guess if I was in that position and the Lord told me that and I thought uh, yeah right uh, you know because I don't see what God sees I don't I I can't do what God does you know, his his ways and his thoughts are so far above our ways and our thoughts that we really can't comprehend what it's like to be him. And then uh, when Israel gets into the promised land and they go against all these nations and most of these nations were a lot stronger, a lot more advanced in their fighting. They had more experience. They, they fought better and they they were stronger and they were definitely definitely huger bigger armies and as a matter of fact they uh, three or four and five kings at a time got together and, and brought all their armies together to fight against Israel and Israel overtook them Israel destroyed them because God was fighting their battles they weren't and they were listening to the Lord, and, and the Lord was telling them what they needed to do and what they, what they needed to know. So when they went out against these armies, they fought these armies, and they won because it wasn't them fighting. It was the Lord, the God that was fighting for them. So, you know, that, that right there tells us that we do not need to fight our own battles. We need to let God fight our battles and not worry about all the, detail, the intricate details of what's going on and everything. Just follow God. And, you know, our battles have already been won. You know, uh, the children of Israel, they had to physically go in and take the uh, land away from all the inhabitants that was in it. Our battles now... Uh, all of our battles have been won. 
and you know they were won by Jesus when he hung up on the cross for our sins and he went down and he took the keys away from death uh, the keys of death hell and the grave he took those away from Satan our battle was run right won right then we don't really have to fight those we have to what the one battle that we need to fight is uh, against Satan and the lost people. Uh, I'm saying that uh, like that because we fight Satan because when we go to we go to war against Satan and we go out and we try to tell a lost and dying world about, uh, about the Lord and what all that he can do for them and how that he can completely change their lives and how that he has already fought the battles that they are they are trying to fight and are having a hard time doing it, a losing time doing it. We have to fight that because those people, Satan is putting so many things into their minds. And you know, one I guess one of the the one of the most uh, popular ones, I guess you would say, is that when I get my life straightened out, then I will give my heart and life to the Lord. Well, I want, to, I want to tell you something, children of God. We need to tell the lost and dying world that they will never, by themselves, get their lives straightened out. Jesus didn't tell us to uh, straighten our lives out and get our lives in order and, and uh, all these other different things. Uh, before that we came to him, he said, I want you just exactly the way you are all broken up, everything, your life and everything around your life is just one big, huge uh, mess of a, of a conglomerate of, of life. And he said, I want you, that's the way I want you. You bring all of that stuff to me. You ask me to forgive you of your sins. I will forgive you. I will take that conglomerate of a mess that you have and I will straighten it out. I will get rid of the parts that you don't need anymore and the parts that you really do need. I will put them in your life the way that they should be in the first place instead of just all crumbled up with all this other gunk. And that's that's what we need to let them know. God is not God is not wanting us to straighten our lives out and get uh on the straight and narrow path ourselves. He wants us to come with all of our mess, with all of our sins, with everything that uh, we have uh, gotten on the road while following Satan. He wants all of that stuff and bring it to him and give it to him and let him work on it. And then he will fix it and take the, like I said, take the parts out that we don't need anymore and the parts that we do need, he'll put them in the place that they were supposed to, they were originally supposed to be in the first place, and then our lives will get, be straightened out. It's not going to be overnight, and I'll tell you that right now. It's not going to be an overnight thing. But the thing about it is, it's when when you ask Jesus to come into your life, and you ask Him to forgive you of your sins, and you repent of your sins, and you turn from your sins. Your life completely changes. Uh, a, a lot of your worries and a lot of uh, the aggravation and a lot of things in your life disappear right then and there. It really does. And the other things that is in your life that seems to be in a shamble doesn't look as bad as it once did. So you're not 
you're not worried about those things anymore. You've turned those over to the Lord, and you know that the Lord is going to work in them, so you don't worry about them no more. And you start praising God and, and living for God and and uh, and all those things, and everything else falls right into place. Same way with the children of Israel. When they, when they finally got to the point where that they give everything to God and they, they promised God that they was going to follow him and they quit looking to the world and, and everything else and they started following the Lord, they went into uh, the promised land and they took over. They took over. It, does, it did not matter how big the armies was. It did not matter how much bigger the people were. It did, it did not matter how, many, how much more um, practice they had in, in, at going to war and how, much, um, how many more weapons that they had or how, how much better their armor was than theirs. It didn't matter. And, and matter of fact, some of the wars that they fought, they never, not one time, did they ever take, take out their swords. They, they just followed the lead of God and God used them and and worked in a great and a mighty way and one one of the greatest battles uh that was never fought was uh i believe it was gideon uh he ended up with the the entire army of the israelites and god told him it's, that was too many and, I, and we're talking about a valley that was full of the opposing army i mean just it, it looked like the sand is, uh, is on the seashore god told him that's too, that was too many so they ended up, I believe, uh, if I remember the story correctly, I believe it was 300 men that they ended up with. And these 300 men took a, a trumpet in one hand uh, and a, a pitcher in the other hand with a candle in it. And they encircled around this camp of where the, these, this army was camped. And when Gideon gave the, the order they blew on the trumpet and they broke their uh, they broke their pictures with the light in it and let the light shine out and everything, and the armies jumped up and started killing each other. They, they were just they were just so confused and and so surprised and everything of everything that was going on that they killed each other. They didn't even have to draw their swords. This is the God we serve today. We didn't we. You know, the only time that we have to draw our sword is we have, when we draw it out to, to read it. This, our Bible is our sword. It's the sword that we need to be carrying, whether it be in our heart or on our phones, on our tablets, on our computers, or physically carry the, the Word of God. That's what we need to be carrying because it has all the instructions in it of exactly what we need to do to Turn the battle over to the Lord and let the Lord fight it because we don't have to anymore. In verse 4, it says, Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes. From Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off even unto the great sea. Wait a minute, let's back up one. Uh, verse 3, uh, and ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. Now then, I want I want to pick I want to pick that one ver that one little part of that verse out. 
ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. Because you obeyed God, you've seen what he can do. Because we obey God and we follow him and we trust in him and have faith in him, we can see what he can do. There is nothing impossible with God. Absolutely nothing. It does not matter what it is. It's not impossible. There's a lot of things in this life that it is absolutely impossible for me to do. It is absolutely impossible. I cannot do it. But the Bible also tells me that I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I can't do them by myself, but now through Christ, I can do all things. Because what I do is I take my problems that, I, that needs to be worked on, I take them to Jesus, lay them down at his feet, walk off and leave them, and then he works on them. Not me. I have surrendered them to him. I have obeyed him. Now then, he takes my problems and he fixes my problems. So, you know, it's not the fact that I'm actually doing something, but it's the simple fact that I am trusting God with my problems because I know that there's nothing that I can do to fix those problems. And physically, there is no possible way for Israel to have taken all this land from all of these nations that was in it. It is physically impossible for them to go in and destroy these people who were twice their size, twice the size of their armies, better at war than they was. I mean, just everything about them was better than them, but yet through God, they went in and they completely destroyed all these nations because they had faith in him and they moved. You know, a lot of, that's, that's where we mess up a lot of times is we don't move. We, we take God for granted a lot of times. I, and I've been down that road. It's not a, I don't like going down that road. And I, I ask God all the time, Lord, do not let me go back down that road again. I don't like going down that road because I I know God can work. I know he will work, but I'm, I am going to have to do some things so that he can work. See, if, if the children of Israel, like I said before, if the children of Israel had went over Jordan and uh, had just sat down and said, all right, Lord, we're here, drive everybody out, kill everybody off, and then we'll go in. And No, he said, you need to go in and possess the land. In other words, you got to do some work. I'm not just going to give you everything, but you're going to have to do some work. You want the blessings in the Bible? You're going to have to do some work. You want God to meet all your financial needs and all your family needs and everything in your life? You're going to have to do some work. You you just can't say, Lord, I'm saved now. Just give me everything that you have promised me. No, it don't work that way. We, got, we have to do some work to earn the things that we, well, I wouldn't say earn, but we have, to, we have to do some work so that God can bless us and use us and, and trust us with what he has got in store for us. But he said, um, 
in verse 10, he said, One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you as he hath promised you. One man following God can put to flight a thousand people. He can take, he can overtake a thousand people. He can destroy a thousand people. One man, one person through Christ can defeat Satan and every one of his little demons. Now, you know, that it, that's, that's no problem. That's one of the simplest things it ever was. But we have to do it through Christ. We have to uh, submit ourselves to him and we have to be under subjection to Christ and we have to be under his tutelage and he has to be teaching us so that we will know what to do. You know, these, these, this army of Israel, even though they didn't have to fight all of their battles, they still had to know some of the, uh, the, uh, some of the things about warfare. They, they, they just didn't pick up a sword and put on armor one day and said, I'm ready. No, they, they had to do possibly had to do some practicing, uh, in, in the art of warfare. So, you know, they just didn't strap it on and go out. So see, that's, that's where we, we mess up a lot of times is we go to church. We listen to the preacher preach his message. We go to Sunday school and we listen to the teacher teach and we go on Wednesday night and, and the song services and all this. And, and we think that that's enough, but it, it's not. See, if we really want to get prepared, and we really want to be trained in the art of spiritual warfare, we, hope we are going to have to do a lot of stuff on our own. And that, can, that consists of reading God's word and praying every day. I mean, this is not just a, a Sunday morning and Wednesday night thing. This is an everyday thing. We have to, to practice in the art of spiritual warfare every day and where do we get all of our our practice from where do we get all of our instructions from from the word of god and for praying and asking god to enlighten us and give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding that's where that's where we get all of our our teachings from instructions from verse 11 take Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves, that ye love the Lord your God. Else, if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the raiment of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriage with them, and go in unto them, and they to you, know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you, but they will be snares and traps unto you and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from off this land, this good land, which the Lord your God hath given you. And now we get back to blessings and the cursings. You, 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 you keep the commandments. You do what God wants you to, and God will drive the people out. He will bless you. He will He will meet all your needs and everything. But on the other hand, if you don't 
if you don't keep God's commandments and you go chasing after these people and you go chasing after their gods and after their their women and everything and their men and you you start intermarrying and everything, you're, you're going to get in trouble. God is not going to uh, stay with you. He is going to turn you over and they are going to end up driving you out and destroying you instead of you driving them out and destroying them. Same way with Satan. We cannot com compromise with Satan. We cannot play around with Satan in the world and try to live a Christian life. We have to, we have to love one and hate the other. And, you know, it's, it's either going to be love God and hate the world or uh, love the world and hate God. You can't have it both ways. You can't be in the middle. It's not going to happen. You're gonna to have to love one and hate the other, and I and I'm not I'm not talking about uh, so many things in this world, you know that that I've heard so many people say that they can't do anymore because that they have become a Christian. Um, I'm not saying that we can there we can partake of some of the world, you know, fishing. I love to fish, and. Uh, I used to like to go to ball games. I, I don't even I don't even watch sports anymore. That's a different story altogether. But anyway, there's nothing wrong with that. But we need to do those things, and we need to live the same life doing those things: the fishing, the hunting, going to the sporting uh, events, and things like that. We need to live the same life doing those things as we would as if we were in church. We have to let our light shine and be a Christian wherever we go. We cannot go to ball games or sporting events or fishings or anything like that and partake of the world and, and, and think that we're going to go back to church on Sunday morning and everything's going to be fine. It's, it, it's, it's not going to work. We have to live a Christian life in everything that we do. We have to let our light shine in every aspect of our life whether it be on our job or be on uh, Walmart or a sporting event or whatever that we're doing, we have to be the same person that we are in those things as we are on Sunday when we are in God's house. Because God sees you when you're doing the sporting events just as much as he does when you're in church. So, you know, you're not hiding nothing from God. God knows your heart and he knows exactly what's going on. But we need to hold on to him and we need to to get his blessings from him instead of the cursings. Verse 24. I'm sorry, chapter 24. Joshua's review of Israel's history. Now we need to go back to uh, Genesis. Where are my notes? Here are my notes. Here's my notes. Uh, Genesis chapter 11. Verse 24. Uh, now, if this is going back uh, before or after the, the flood. You remember in the days of Noah, Noah built the, the, uh, the ark and took uh, him, his wife, his three sons, and his three sons' wives and all the animals and put them in the ark. And, and God opened the heavens and he opened the deep and, and the earth was flooded and everything on the earth and in the earth was, was killed. Uh, all mankind was killed. All the animals that uh, 
except for the ones that was in the ark were killed. And then after 40 days and 40 nights, uh, the ark sat back down on dry land. God opened up the door of the ark and Noah and his sons and everything came out. Now then, we're going to start there with uh, one of his sons named Shem. And uh, we're going to read some of his uh, lineage because the lineage of Shem is where Abraham comes from. And it's where that uh, the promise started. You remember the man of God told Abram, it was Abram at that time, told him, you know, about how that he, he was going to be the father of a great nation, of many nations, and uh, that his, his seed was going to be as the stars of heaven because they can't be numbered. And but we go back in, like I said, in Exodus or Genesis chapter eleven twenty four, and Nahor lived nine and twenty years and begat Terah, and Nahor lived after he begat Terah a hundred and nineteen years and begat sons and daughters, and Terah lived seventy years and begat Abram, Nahor, and Haran. Now these are the generations of Terah. Terah begat Abram. Nahor and Haran, and Haran begat Lot. And you remember Lot, he was the one that went down to the city of Sodom, and uh, the two angels went down. These are the same two angels that talked to Abram and told Abram and told him how the Lord was going to bless him, and he was going to become the father of many nations. And they went down to Lot and got Lot and his wife and and their, I believe his two daughters out. And on the way out, his wife, Lot's wife, turned around and looked back, and uh, she turned to a pillar of salt. So this is where Abram came in. And then later on, in Genesis chapter 17, uh, starting in verse 1, And when Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abraham fell, Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and the seed after thee, and their generation for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee, and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art stranger, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Now then, as we're going through and reading this, Abraham is right now in the land of Canaan. Okay, going on through his genealogy and everything, uh, right before the, the uh, famine in Egypt, or famine, famine all over the land and everything, Israel, or Jacob, 
was in Canaan, in the land of Canaan. They had uh, had the the famine and everything, and they went down to Egypt. And we remember how his son, uh, his son, Israel's son, uh, Joseph, how the Lord moved for him to go to Egypt first so that he could get things set up so that uh, the, the nation of Israel, the, the family of Israel, would be taken care of during this time of famine. Now then, they have moved out of there, and they're in the land of Goshen. And then they move out of there and they go into the wilderness. And now then they are on the other side of Jordan, back in the land of Canaan, where this all started several hundred years ago. So God has brought this, this covenant that he made with Abraham in the land of Canaan. He has brought this full circle. And they, the children of Israel have went into the land of Canaan to possess it. For their, their land, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. So after the, the uh, famine and everything was over with, God blessed the land and he had uh, different tribes or different nations that went in there and set up and cultivated the land and, and cleared the land and all of this and set up cities and, and different things and, and, getting it ready for the children of God children of God to come in, the children of Israel to come in and take over what God promised Abraham many hundreds of years before. So, you know, it took it took a long time for the promise that God made to Abraham to come into existence. But it happened because Number one, God said it was going to, and he never lies, and so it, it came to pass. And that's what um, Joshua is telling the children of Israel now. He said, all these things that God has promised you has come to pass, and he, there's not one thing that he promised you that he left out. Everything is just exactly the way he said it was going to be. So... You know, it, God may make us promises and uh, tell us that, you know, things are going to happen in our life, but he never did tell us exactly when it was going to happen. Sometimes he lets us know that things are going, on, going to happen in our life, like Abraham. He told him, you know, that he would be a father of uh, a great nations and they'd be kings and priests come out of, out of him, even though his wife was barren. It happened. God touched uh, Sarah. She was old. She was she was uh, way up in years. Him and her both when she had her first child. But God promised them that they would have one, and they did. And it took a while from the first time that Abraham was promised a child before she actually had a child. Joseph. God used him. But he never one time did he ever tell Joseph exactly that he was using him or how, what he was going to have to go through to get to where he was at. And the thing about Joseph is, is Joseph, nobody knew exactly what had happened to him as soon as the, uh, the Midianites took control of him 
nobody knew what would happen from him from that point on. As far as all the other brothers and the, and the mother and the father knew, he was dead. They had, they had no idea. As a matter of fact, the, the other brothers ripped his coat of many colors up and put blood on it and told his dad that a wild animal had gotten a hold of him. But see, God had to, <clears throat> God had to move in Joseph's life that way so that he could have him do what he needed to do. He needed to be cut off from his family. He needed to be cut off from, from all his kin people because God needed him alone in a strange place so that he could teach him things. <clears throat> a lot of times God has to get us in a place to where that we are very uncomfortable and we are constantly wondering why. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And we have to constantly wonder why are we where we are at today? And I'm sure that Joseph asked him asked the Lord this many times because he was he was uh, put over the uh, chief of the captain uh, the captain of the army's house household at one point. He was put in prison, even though he was he uh, was over a lot of the prisoners and and had a lot of uh, freedom, as much freedom as he could have while he was in prison. And then he uh, he got put in. Uh, he went into Pharaoh and told Pharaoh the interpretation of his dream, and and he got put over everything. He, that the only one that was above him in power and everything was Pharaoh. And if you wanted any food when the famine started, you had to go see Joseph. And Joseph set the price. And Joseph, uh, he's the one that gave the food out. And he, he done a lot of great things for the land of Egypt. But see, God had to have Joseph at that place at that time so that the children of Israel, Israel and all of his family could be taken care of and they could grow and they could they could prosper. So, you know, a lot of times we are put in a, a position that we are in. God puts us in that position so that He can use us and He can He can teach us and He can help us to grow and we can understand more about what's going on. And uh, I'm sure that after everything was done, Joseph, when his brothers came to buy grain and, and they didn't know who he was because he had been gone for so long. He'd been gone over 14 years. Well, he'd been gone over seven years. I know. Uh, so he had completely changed and they had dressed him up to look like an Egyptian and everything. And he spoke the Egyptian language very fluently. So they had no idea of who he was and he needed to be there. So God need so if you are in a situation, uh, maybe in the church you're in or uh, in a job you're in, some something that you are trying to figure out ex exactly why I, am I here? God is is still blessing you. God is still using you, but there there's just th that one thing that is it doesn't seem right. I guess would be the be the best way to put it. God's got you there for a reason. Now then, what we need to do is we need to figure out 
exactly what it is that we're supposed to be doing. Uh, my Sunday school lesson lesson last Sunday was on waiting. So this is this is going to be a period of waiting, waiting to see what God has in store for us, waiting to see what God's uh, purpose and His plan in our life is. So we're going through a a time of waiting to figure out God's ultimate plan in our life. We don't we don't know. He hasn't told us anything. So you know, just wait it out. Be still. Wait upon the Lord. But do but move forward. I know I know that sounds a little strange, but if you remember when the children of Israel came out of uh, out of Egypt and they was there at the Red Sea, the Lord told them, said, Stand still, see the salvation of the Lord. And then in the very next verse, I believe it was, in a verse or two, he said he told them to move forward. So, you know, we stand still in our spirit and we're we're uh, in tune with the Lord, and we're we're in a, a a position of waiting upon the Lord to find out our next move, where our next what the what the next door is that's going to open for us to go through. But yet we are still doing the work of the Lord, and we're still going on with our ministries and of, of whatever it is that the Lord has us doing at that time. We're still doing that, but our spirit is waiting. It is waiting. It, it knows something is about to happen, and we are into that position to where that we are still, and the Lord can teach us, and the Lord can use us. So, you know, that's that's the one place where, uh, because Joseph, he he had a, a very, uh, well, the only word I can come up with is cocky attitude. He was, he was all time throwing up in his brother's face about, how that he was his father's chosen. He was his father's number one son. And he let his brothers know about that. And he had those dreams about how that they would all be bowing down to him and everything. And, and he kept throwing that up to them too. And, you know, he had that, uh, I'm better than you and my dad loves me more than he does you all type of attitude. The Lord had to get him out of that, number one. So he... He took him in and, and he made uh, he put him in a place of, of some power, some prestige, and then that from there he had to bring him down just a little bit lower, so he had him he had he put him in prison. So, you know, look at your life and find out just exactly try to figure out why that you are going through some of the things that you're going through. Because you know, I have found out that a lot of the, the trials and a lot of things that we go through are, are a lot of times are nothing more than a learning experience and, and a teaching experience and, and trying to get us to the point to where that God can use us and get us out of some of our, our old ways, the ways that we are set in, and to get us out of those, those ways and to get us to where that we are completely and ultimately surrendering everything, our, all of our life, all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our being to God and waiting upon Him and trying to learn of Him and doing His will. Well, a lot of times we have to go through those things before, so God can get us to that point. And that was where Joseph was at. So, And then the children of Israel, they knew where they were going 
but they just did not know how that they were going to go. They, they figured that <clears throat> it would be a, a three-day journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. And little did they know that they were going to have to make several stops along the way, and stops to where that they had to stand still, to where that they had to wait upon the Lord, where that they had to learn from the Lord, and where, where they had to, to check their own lives and figure out just exactly where that they stood with the Lord. So, you know, and, and they had to build the tabernacle. So that took almost a year to build that tabernacle. But, you know, even though they were in a, a point of waiting, they were constructing the tabernacle. They were doing work. Even though they were in a position of waiting, they were also doing a work. They, uh, they were waiting upon the Lord, and they were also working. While they were working, they were also learning how to work together and how to come together as one body for God's purpose. See, that, that's where we come up short a lot of time as children of God. We, we want to do things, but we want to do them individually for that we ourselves can get the glory and, and somebody will tell you a, a good job, pat you on the back and everything, when we should be trying to get everybody involved with us to where that the body of Christ and Christ himself will get the glory instead of just me or instead of two or three. So, you know, turn everything over to God and work for him and, and don't worry about getting the glory Try to do it in a, in a way to where that God will get the glory and not you. You know, I, I, I know the Lord has got several things that I am doing for him, like, and which uh, consist of teaching, uh, and it's not me, trust me. You know, if it was left up to me, I would make shambles out of, out of the Word of God because I cannot understand it on my own. I have to have God and the Holy Spirit. I have to have them to tell me what is in the Word. You know, um, I can't remember now who it was, but um, somebody once said, if you took and you completely broke the Word of God down and wrote it down in books, there is not enough libraries in the world to contain the books that it would take to describe everything in the Bible, to break it down completely. So, you know, that's why we, we hear sermons uh, out of the same, same passage of Scripture. We hear it over and over and over again. But how many times have we heard the same message from the same passage of Scripture the same way? I never have. It's always different. And it's always uh, has to do with the time that it's being brought out. Because God knows exactly what everybody needs. And won't you read one verse of scripture today and, and it, it will uh, minister into a need that you have at that time. You read it again next week, you've got a different need. And that same verse of scripture will minister to that need next week. Why? Because it is so complex and so deep that we can't understand it. Our, our earthly minds cannot understand, cannot comprehend God's word. 
And without the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, we can't understand it. So, yes, I need God. Yes, I need his son. I need I need their help, and I need the help of the Holy Spirit. I need more understanding. I need more wisdom and knowledge of God's word, and I pray for that quite often. God, give me more understanding. Give me more knowledge. Give me more understanding of you and your word because I need it to teach the people. So, you know, it, it's, it's a great thing to do. I, I love it. I enjoy it. And, and God knows me. Uh, I'm not one. I'm not a very good conversationalist. Um, I talk very little. Um, somebody asked me a question and I, I've got the answer to it. I'll tell them. But, you know, as far as uh, the old saying is, as far as sitting around chewing the fat, and uh, I don't I, I don't do that uh, because I, I'm not that good of a conversationalist. But now when God moves in and the Lord moves in and the Holy Spirit moves in and starts speaking to me, then the words just flow out. And the old saying is, I just open my mouth and out they come because I turn everything over to the Lord and the Lord uses me. And see, that's, that's the way Joshua was. That's the way the children of Israel was when they, when they were fighting all these battles. They, they followed the Lord, and they let the Lord lead God direct them. They let the Lord work through them. And then he also worked in other, other areas in their, um, in their battles. Like I said, they was, there was a lot of their enemies that were slain that uh, the children of Israel wasn't even close to. As a matter of fact, in, uh, in one place there, he caused uh, uh, hailstones to fall from, uh, from the sky and, and killed a bunch that were running from them. So God has got everything under control, and he's got our life set out just exactly the way he, he wants it. Now, we need to follow him, even though we don't understand where it's going. Even though we have no idea of what we are doing in the place that we are in, we need to follow him and, and understand that he's in, he's under control and he knows what's going on and we don't need to, you know, there's a lot of times that I would, I ask God, you know, Lord, why am I doing this? Why am I here? And, uh, you know, I don't understand. And I think about leaving and, and no, having no part of that because I am there for a purpose. I am there for a reason. Now then, I need to be still, wait upon the Lord, but go ahead and do what God wants me to do and trust in him. Trust that he has, trust that he has my back. Trust him that he knows what he's doing because I don't. But it'll all work out in the end. And that I'm sure of. Listen, I thank you all for listening. I hope you got something out of this today. Until the next time, may God bless you all in a great way.